Hello and welcome to another edition of the Purple Theory Podcast. My name is Grant McGalliard and I have alongside me, as always, my uh, my, my co-host, my compadre, Parker Fleming. Parker, how are you doing tonight? You know, Grant, I'm surviving. Uh, it's bye week. I'm going to sit in the cryo chamber, ice bath a little bit, stretch out and see if I can uh, recover and uh, and make it through these last two games. You know, the thing about bye weeks is that we're, we're really looking forward to going back to fundamentals. Uh, you know, we're going to practice tackling, catching, all that stuff, really kind of get back to the basics of the game and just kind of lay a foundation for the weeks going forward. Gosh, I just, I, I can't even, I can't even keep the cliche train going because I'm sure that we would hear all of them if we had a media environment where a, a TCU's coach was forced to uh, talk. So Big 12 press conference or coaches conference tomorrow morning. I can guarantee you, you will hear all of them. Uh, I, I personally, I thought, wait, I, can I get, can I get a money yes. line on Gary Patterson actually saying, take a step back on the big 12 coaches conference tomorrow? <laughs> Vegas doesn't even have that on the board, man. It's going to happen. They won't even give it to you. Yeah, it's going to happen. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I'm going to toot my own horn real quick. And then we're going to talk about West Virginia. I won $160 gambling in a master's uh, pool this weekend. So I'm having a great Sunday. Wait, what the hell? You told me who to bet for and I didn't win any money. Did I win well, it was a different type. No, you didn't. It was a different oh, type of pool. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, well, look, let, let, let's rip the Band-Aid off here. Um, you know, we never want to be defeatist on this podcast, but TCU just lost to West Virginia 24-6 to in a really kind of boring, albeit at least fast-paced game. Uh, Parker and I are going to go micro and we're going to go macro. So we're going to start micro and we're going to talk a little bit about what happened on Saturday. Uh, Parker, where do you want to start? Do you have stats you want to read off? Um, kind of set the scene for us here yeah so let's just let's just go go to basics for a second so tc lost 24 to 6 to west virginia uh each team had 10 drives so tcu gave up 2.4 points per drive on defense which is pretty respectable the magic number there is is 2.75 if you i think our, our friend brian Fremu has the uh uh the FEI, the drive-based index, and he kind of says in his numbers, if you if you score 2.75 points per drive, you win, like 90% of the time, something crazy. TCU holds West Virginia to just 2.4 points per drive. They only score uh, two field goals despite having five scoring um, opportunities, so uh, a lot of struggles there. Um, Ultimately, Grant, you know, TCU just kind of got blown out here. They were they were outgained 6.5 to 4.63 yards per play on an EPA expected points added basis. Uh, West Virginia was uh, 0.428, so 0.428 expected points per play better than TCU um, on average. Uh, TCU has one one offensive turnover, one defensive turnover. The Frogs just started at their own 23-yard line. So, again, horrendous field position like we've seen all season. And they moved the ball pretty decently, 38% success rate, but they only had 1.5 points per scoring opportunity. Um, just couldn't finish in the red zone for, for a, a variety of reasons and ultimately uh, made, made, a, made a bad, ugly game a lot worse by, by doing that. That's a great way to put it. We knew coming into this it was going to be a bad, ugly game. There there probably was a scenario where TCU could win a bad, ugly game. I think you said um, in, in our best-case scenario uh, predictions last week that TCU would have to win ugly. Um, unfortunately, they lost ugly. Um, yeah, at, at no point during this game did I think TCU, did I think TCU was going to win, uh, at least, I mean, after the first quarter. It, it was a complete and utter – display of ineptitude and just kind of apathy. Uh, 
And which which is it, it it was like timely uh ineptitude too because so TCU kicked yes. a field goal. Um I guess with when when did they when did they kick that field goal? Uh, right in the third quarter with about seven minutes left mm-hmm. to make it six to seventeen. Um and if they had just, you know, they they uh came away with no points, uh they punted, um they they like had the opportunity there if they could have snugged snagged together a field goal that's a seventeen to nine game uh, on one of those scoring opportunities so that's a one point that's a one score game as late as about seven minutes of the fourth quarter or I guess or the third quarter I guess it goes all the way to um, yeah to the fourth quarter it could have been one score it was it was just nine points uh, or eleven points rather and so a, a really ugly game that TCU could have won with just a breath of offense but of course. Uh, that that just isn't what TCU has this year. Well, yeah, it, it, you're you're right. And, and there were times when I would look up at the TV and I think, okay, look, you know, if TCU gets a score here, it's a one point game. Or you know, hey, look, just get it, get a field goal, get a touchdown. We're right back in this thing. You know, we, me being a a card carrying member of the TCU football team, um, and you know, TCU's right back in it. But but they show no desire to do so. I I, I mean, the the drive that made me mad. If we're going to get into the nitty gritty. Um, minute 20 minute 20 left at the end of the first half uh, run pass to a running back for five yards run 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 end of half you're down 14 to 3 you have a minute 20 seconds left and you do that you, you're basically saying hey we're just going to take this to the half please god don't turn the ball over well and 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 what's worse about that is that was that was a um a compounded mistake because the drive before that grant West Virginia had second and nine at their own 40 and they took a timeout with two minutes and 43 seconds left. Yes. Uh, there's a complete pass that TC stops the clock's running. Then on third and one, they run for no gain. It's fourth and one and West Virginia clock still running takes a delay of game and milks all this clock out. And then they let the clock run down again, and they punt it. TCU had three timeouts, and not only did they not take them on that drive when they were moving the ball, they just ran the clock out. They weren't even interested in getting the ball back with any kind of time to start no. with. Um, no. Which is just, just, I mean, I get it. You had a bad half, whatever. But, I mean, again, I, this is the phrase of the game, but, like, if you could snag a field goal there, 14-6 to six is an entirely different game than 14-3. Than 14-3. With yeah, West Virginia it, getting the ball at the start of the second half. Right. It, that's the thing, too. West Virginia was getting the ball. If TCU was getting the ball at the start of the second half, I wouldn't agree, but I would understand the rationale behind it. You're basically just wasting a possession um, if there are a minute, 20 seconds left. And that's the thing, Parker. It, it kind of taking this, looking at it with a bit of a bigger lens, it's like TCU refuses to learn on a drive-to-drive capacity. So, yes, TCU was not having a good offensive game, but every drive is a new drive, and there's no need to sort of, like, hey, we're not doing well, so we're just going to take it to the half. That doesn't work. And, and, and we've seen this throughout the year. TC refused to learn lessons for the previous drive. It, it, it just seems that the coaching staff doesn't treat each drive like a new opportunity to score points, basically. Thomas Merton once said, uh, eternity begins anew each day. In football, eternity begins anew each drive. Uh, and you would like for, for TCU to, to think that. Who, who, uh, who was that? Oh, Thomas Merton is this uh, really, really interesting uh, Catholic monk. He uh, was like a professor and kind of had a rough life and later in life decided to become a monk. Very interesting guy. So he's a Notre Dame coach. Good friends with Thich Nhat Hanh. <laughs> Good pretend I know who that is. Um, I, you know, and they 
so obviously the blame for this game lies lies mostly on the offense. I was also not happy with the defensive performance, defensive performance by TCU. I, 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 I okay. They so, gave up far too many third down conversions, things like that, and, and kind of let West Virginia move the ball down the field despite adversity. I mean, the TCU had West Virginia in places where they could stop them, and they just did not do so. Okay, so I'm doing this under duress because I want to talk about the offense. I think the defense was largely fine. They, I'm, they did I'm exactly holding a gun at you. We yes. expected them yeah. to. Um, West Virginia rushed for 128 yards on six plays, which is 21.3 yards per play. And they rushed for 2.21 yards per play on the other 29 rushes. Additionally, West Virginia had 15 third down attempts. They converted eight of them, uh, extending drives uh, all over the field, including a third, uh, a 99-yard drive after TCU played field position where West Virginia converted third and four, third and six, uh, third and two, and third and goal. Uh, all four, four for four on that drive right there, um, which is just, yes, it is, it is, it is timely, uh, untimely and inept uh, defense. So, I think there's for sure a criticism there. Um, I mean, I think, honestly, with the injuries that TCU had, I, I, just, I just so much quicker to say, like, look, the defense played well. I'm taking 24 points every time. I'm taking 2.4. If you go into a Big 12 football game and say, all right, beforehand, I can guarantee that your team will, will allow 2.4 points per drive, or you can take whatever result. Most of the time, I'm taking 2.4 points per drive. Okay, I, I get that. But just because, okay, well, they only succeeded really rushing on six plays. Okay, that's six, still six plays where you had a really bad defense covering the run. And that's still four third downs on one drive where you let a team go 99 yards and score. Yeah. And I understand that's – I mean, that's not the, the full game. I get that, but it, – it, it doesn't excuse the, the, the kind of inexplicable lapses that TCU has at, at really inopportune times. It, it, right, but the, it's those, just are, very frustrating. those are I, horrific, and I'm with you, and I want them to get fixed, but they are not the reason TCU lost the game. Okay, I, I, I agree. And so I, we'll talk about the offense. Can you give me just two minutes to make a point real quick? Do it. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, and before I do answer this question, is this a worse TCU defense than in years past? Injuries, I mean, okay, like factor all that in, like whatever. The defense they have now, it's worse than years past, right? Um, no, I don't believe it is. Uh, so if we're looking at uh, SP+, Plus, which is paywall now, so screw it. I'm going to come up with my own rating soon. Uh, we love you, Bill, for the record. Get that I money. like Bill a lot. I mean, go do what you got to do, but that's annoying that even your rankings are paywall now. It's, it's, not, his, it's not his fault. Right, right. Uh, so I'm, I'm vamping while I'm scrolling. I'm sorry. I have this tweeted out, this, this uh, SP plus rankings, but, but TCU's defense is, oh my gosh, I tweeted so much yesterday. Should I you have did. a hobby? You, you, were... <laughs> you, you texted me a video of you working out the other day. So I, did I guess not. that counts as a hobby. I did. Well, the only reason I did that is because you texted <laughs> me about my workout playlist because you creeped on me on Spotify. Okay. TCU's defensive SP plus. Uh, I just went through their like really, really bad years of uh, teams. And so 2012, they were plus 17. 2013, they were plus 15th, which was eighth in the nation. That 2013 team was underrated. Um, 
plus 23.4 in 2016, plus 16.9 in 2018, 16th defense. That, that, that defense is underrated. Uh, plus 22.9 in 2019, plus 22.2 in 2020. So not even close to their worst defenses. Uh, pretty consistently, that top 35 is, is where TCU sits. Uh, and so they're 28th right now, plus 22.2. So I don't think this is the worst defense um, overall. I think if you had to say like, oh, the defense that played Saturday talent-wise is probably well below the mean for TCU. Okay. So, so let me kind of rephrase this analogy, but, but this is kind of where I come from, and then we'll talk about the offense. So obviously, like, the offense is the problem, right? And, and there's this old adage of like, okay, you have a burning house and an unmown lawn. Right. Well, so, so people focus sometimes on the unmown lines. Like, no, the house is on fire. Let's fix that first. Right. The, the burning house is the TCU offense. Like it is on fire and we need to call the fire department immediately. But right now what TCU has isn't an unmown lawn. It's like a car that has really nice like interior design and like the, the body's all sleek. But like every now and then, every fourth time you try to turn the engine, it just doesn't start. Uh and that's kind of the third on defense. It's like, yeah, like that's a problem, but eventually you're going to have to try to escape the burning house. And if you can't get the car to start, that's going to be an issue. And like, that's the, that's the frustrating part about the TCU defense is like, yes, it, it does its job on most occasions, but on those third downs are so frustrating that it, it almost magnifies the problem. It's like, yeah, the defense is fine, but man alive, there are so many glaring mistakes, injuries or, or whatever that just kind of, make it very frustrating to watch it's 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 I, I know the numbers bear it out I know this is totally eye test and all that and it's supposed to be a smart podcast but I'm just saying I'm just expressing frustration at how miserable it is to watch this defense at times yes no I agree and I mean I think you can think about all the moments in West Virginia uh, well in the West Virginia game but the Iowa State game the defense pretty pretty much blew that open early on um, the Texas game even though TC's offense was was stalling uh, they gave up some big plays and got bailed out on penalties that like that Texas game easily could have been a blowout. Um, Baylor, there was just some, just some head scratchers in the second, second half. So like, I'm a hundred percent with you. Um, I mean, they got destroyed by the league route. Absolutely. Uh, yes. But again, you know, kind of going with the analogy, it's like, if I have a garden full of, uh, full of rocks that I'm trying to clear, I got to start with the big rocks. I can go chase pebbles yes, all for day. Sure. And so that's fine, but I think as long as we keep that in perspective and say, yeah, there's, there's some issues on this defense, yes. um, especially given, like, the two highest-rated safeties last year. Uh, the defensive line continues to be abysmal, and it has been for a couple of years now, and that's, that's really, really worrisome. Um, and so I think, I think it's fair all day to critique this, the, the defense. I think it's uh, – and this is not what you're doing, but I think it's also very easy to say, I don't like the head coach. He's in charge of the defense. The defense is bad. We need to fire the head coach. Right. And that's a stupid line of thinking. It's a completely stupid line of thinking. And I've said this three different times. We're about to talk about the offense. This is my last thing on it is that the the one I I like the head coach, the one thing that bothers me is that he says, well, it could have been worse. You know, our defense at least stepped up in the second half. It's like, well, that's great, but it's still bad. And you can't lean on a couple good defensive plays and a better second half as an excuse for what's going on on the offensive end. Right. Well, and, and that's, that's what ultimately it is like, Grant, ask yourself, we, we kind of did this the other day, but like, what's the best case scenario for TCU given what we saw on Saturday, the best case scenario for TCU on Saturday is the defense doesn't give up those six plays and TCU kicks one or two more field goals and they win 13 to nine. Like, yeah, that's, that is not viable I, in 2020. Not viable. It, it's no, it's not viable. I, I'll never complain about a win. 
<clears throat> excuse me, even if it is 13 to nine, but I, 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 yes, I know what you're saying. Okay. Let's talk about the offense. Let's, let's get into it. Okay. The most important thing, why are you throwing a bubble screen to three on two or sorry, four on three with to pro Wells? What, what the hell do you think pro Wells I, I is good at that? You're throwing he, him a bubble screen. Is, pro Wells is so good at catching the ball over the middle in traffic. He's a big body with good hands that that Duggan can throw to over the middle, which he did against West Virginia, and they picked up a first down on it. They did. Grant, on that – on that, um, the first drive, they came up with a field goal because they kind of stalled there at the end. They yeah. went They went over the middle to Barber, Johnston, and Wells back to back mm-hmm. to back. And then they never did it again. And I just don't I, – I just don't understand from a game-planning perspective, you say, oh, we, they've seen it. Now they're gonna. Now they're gonna defend it. We can't do it. I just. I, I actually don't understand why they. Why they won't go back to something. They went back to the jet know. sweep nineteen million times because they were worried about the interior line. And I mean, I, I don't know why you. Why? Why? I just don't understand. The same jet sweep and the same reverse that they run every game. Th- this is the one thing I miss about being um, a quote unquote journalist and being able to go to like the press conferences and stuff is that I, I. I wish someone would ask Gary after the game, what was the offensive game plan. What were you trying to do on offense? And they let him talk about – I don't they, know the answer. I don't think he does. They said – they. I don't know who they is. I'm not, like, villainizing. I like a lot of people. I don't know who right, asks questions. Right, right. Obviously, there are different rules in the team. No, no, I, I, I don't – I, like, I, 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 didn't, I didn't mean to impugn journalists. No, the but, like, Trevon Mary got asked about fumbling the punt. Dude, who the – who cares? I mean, it, it was a bad play. Yeah, you should have been out there. A, she shouldn't have been the punt returner, but it's not the reason he, they lost. He takes, I know that's reps, what you're about to he ask, takes reps in practice every day. Was that an 18-point punt? No, you put a veteran out there. It's, it's the same thing as putting Austin Myers out of there instead of putting Jarrett Anderson out there when Max gets killed against Kansas State. It's the entire mentality of like, oh, let me just, let me just deflect. And like, yeah, let's talk to a yes, veteran who's going to be a first-round NFL draft pick, never return a punt again in his life about something that he stepped up and did for the team willingly and was happy to do it and screwed up as opposed to the, just these glaring deficiencies. Yes. I completely agree. I I did. Yes. That is not, I mean, I guess it's Merrick's fault that he didn't catch it, but it's not his fault that we lost the game and he shouldn't have been there in that situation in the first place. It's extremely frustrating. It's yes. I agree. (sighs) My blood pressure, man. Jeez. I, I, I don't even know where to go. I mean, it, it, because every week, Parker, it feels like we're saying the same thing. And yeah. I don't want to do that. I, it's repetitive, but we keep facing – TCU keeps facing the same issues every single week. Yep, and it's, and it's borne out. I mean, so, so TCU right now ranks, what, uh, ninth in net yards per play? Uh, they're worse than Baylor. They're worse than Texas Tech. They're just barely better than Kansas. Um, uh, overall, and and so you're like, look, your defense is fine. Your defense is allowing 5.99, which is you know, uh, fifth or sixth, and you have a big play problem, and we know about that. That's okay. Uh, that's a known commodity. It's not okay. It's it's, it's right. not okay. Right. But, but it is a, okay. All right. Well, yeah. It's, I got you. Yeah. It's it's uh it's okay in the sense that like it's known and understand and like I I I accept that. I understand why it is why your why your yards per play isn't a little better. But ultimately, like, your offense is, is only better than Baylor and Kansas. And those your are not offense good offenses. Is only better than freaking Scarecrow, Duct Tape, Charlie Brewer, and whatever the hell Brent Dearman's doing at Kansas right now. 
That's all you got. Uh, that's, that's just unacceptable. Um, I don't even care if you're like defense first, whatever. Uh, and, and the thing Grant is like, they're, they're not even, they're not even good at what they want to be good at. Uh, I don't know what they want to be good at. They want to be good at, at running the ball and they want to be good at swings, uh, screens and jet sweeps yeah, on the edge. They, and that's not, not where they gain their yards. That's not where the personnel, that's not what the personnel is good at. That's not what they're good at at all. I, and, <clears throat> I, I should say this too, and we should address a, a bit of an elephant in the room. Max Duggan did not have a good game on Saturday. That that okay, I, I know okay, like yes. I get like, you know Yes. He had a bad game. He, he was better he had a bad game. He he that pass he missed in the end zone was inexplicably bad. Um and funny in the sense of like you you just don't expect it to be open. Like kind of one of those right. like, oh, is he that open? Oh my gosh, okay, I should throw it. Yeah, like Right. I, I think you or maybe someone else had a good tweet. Like, that was the pass of a quarterback who was used to throwing out of bounds to save a sack. <laughs> it's like a throw. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what it was. It, yes, he did not have a good game. That does not mean he's, he's still not the future. It doesn't mean that he still won't be, like, the answer of the quarterback in the future. But he had a bad game. He is – he's a college kid. It, you know, we hate to criticize individuals uh, that are 19 and 20 years old. But he had a bad game. Yes, absolutely. He did does not excuse the excuse the play calling or the overall game play for West Virginia. Um, if Max Duggan had a good game, it's TC still would have lost that game. Yeah. I mean, so, so, so I think, I, I think there's a couple of throws that he could have made that like would have been amazing. I think it, it's really easy to do kind of confirmation bias and cherry pick and say, Oh, I'm going to completely ignore these, these, you know, one entire category of middle of the field throws where he's been excellent and say, oh, well, when he gets asked to do that, he's good, but the other times he's bad. And it's like, well, well yes, they shouldn't be asking him to do that. Even if you yeah, go to ask him to attitude, throw up the middle of the field. Even if you go to this attitude of like, oh, Max Duggan's bad. Okay, fine, sure, Max Duggan's bad. What's he better at? Is he, if he's bad, do you want him to throw fades and 20-yard outs, or do you want him to throw short possession completions over the middle of the field to move the ball downfield? Like, it, take it as a fixed commodity. I don't care if you think Max Duggan's good or bad. That's not what this is about. The, the idea is that Max Duggan's talent is fixed within a season. He is who he is, and that is not going to change over the course of the season. So what you can do is you can adapt and try and maximize his strength and make your system quarterback-centric, or you can continue to run and say, aw, shucks, he's not making those yeah. throws. Yes, you, you took the words out of my mouth. It, look, it, Duggan may not – probably is not good at all facets of, you know, the, the potential that a quarterback can have, but he does have strengths and CCU just refuses to play to those strengths. It's like they think they have a different person behind center than they do. Whereas the person behind center can win you games. If you play to his strengths. Yeah. He, well, he's, 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 he's not duct tape scarecrow, Charlie Brewer. Like he has, he has strengths and can make plays, but they don't allow him to do so downfield and, and oh, does yes, that well yeah. at times like of course he's not amazing at it and he needs to work on it but like if you continue to ask him to make these these low probability throws i just don't understand i think somebody pointed out like max isn't very good against man coverage no he's not because the routes you're throwing in man coverage are goes and screens like you're just not you're not doing this yes. you've, you've got to work around that so um, I, I think that, and then, and then a couple of times, like Max was, Max was pressured on 14 of 34 dropbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want to, you know, you want to get semantical about whether that was three sacks or, or one sack and two scrambles, whatever, like he just got torched a couple of times. Yes. Uh, and so again, his, you know, 
a game is dependent on the plays that happened before it. And if Max gets hit stepping up at the pocket 10 to 15 times, like it's going to be really, really hard for him to consistently try to make those throws. Uh, and so if you're complaining about accuracy, it's like, yes, he missed two or three throws, but also he, he's, he's getting put on his back the entire time. So like, I'm not here to say Max Duggan's the, the Heisman quarterback. I am here to unequivocally say a couple things. One, uh, if there was a magical backup who was good and could fix TCU's problems, he would be in the game. Uh, yeah. TCU had, has every reason this year, if they had a competent backup to, to put him in and they do not. Um, and so that, that's just, that's just wishful thinking. And that's the, you know, the favorite, the adage is the, the best quarterback on the team is the backup perpetually. Um, but, but two, I, I think I'm here to make the point that like Max Duggan could be a very good above average, almost elite big 12 quarterback. If yes if you would take the time right now to build him up and get him comfortable with the offense. It's like, I'm thinking about bye week grant. I'm I, if I'm, a, if I'm the offensive coordinator, I'm asking Max, like, Hey man, what, what, what routes are you comfortable with right now? Because it looks like you're not comfortable with any of them. What do you want to throw? Let's practice that. Let's run into the ground. Let's figure out a way to get you in a position where you're not getting murdered and where you can throw the ball confidently and just try and get some positive mojo here at the end of the season. Yes, I completely agree. I, I, I you know, I think I, I, I hopped into, I guess, Jamie Plunkett's uh, DMs, or, or not DMs, but just kind of Twitter replies, and someone was asking about, you know, benching Max. That would be a catastrophically bad decision. Look, TCU is not going to – I mean, they might not make a bowl game this year. I don't really know how the bowl games work, but, but they're not a good team this year. So there's no point benching Max Duggan for, I don't know, Stephon Brown or whoever, uh, because Duggan's going to be your quarterback going into 2000. 21 unless that German kid uh Honig comes in and just all of a sudden is Peyton Manning so shout out, Duggan shout out to and, Alex H who I'm pretty sure listens to the podcast no way really we we chatted on Twitter once twice hell yeah all right no I'm excited for this kid don't get me wrong but I still think Duggan's gonna be a uh uh anyway the starting which is how it should work like like if, if yeah, right, Honig right, is right, what we right. think he is he should he should redshirt for a year sit behind Duggan for a year and then take over to yes. that's how it should work yes. Duggan yes. should not I, be starting right now Grant Duggan should be competing for the job next year that's real that's yes. objective truth and it's so I, stupid that people aren't adjusting their expectations for the fact that Max Duggan should be a redshirt freshman right now who has not seen the field completely agree but he is the starter and he has been the starter for you know I guess a full season now, if you can kind of combine games, maybe, maybe a season and a quarter. So benching him now only serves to like ruin his confidence and ruin it. Like, and take away snaps for him to develop. Even if they are bad snaps, even if they're not, you know, snaps designed to his strengths, there's still opportunities for him to grow. And so benching him would completely, you know, rob him of those opportunities. Yeah, which which CC already showed last year, like once or twice they they sat him for Delton, which is yeah, stupid. which they did, yeah, they did last year. So uh, at least maybe they've learned their lesson. Um, it's a, this is okay. this is almost like a masterclass in making your quarterback a head case. Like I think Duggan's super yes. resilient. I think he'll start for the next two years, uh, maybe maybe three, depending on how all this shakes out. But um, I, I I think that uh, a quarterback with less mental fortitude would crack uh, already. Yes. Okay. Is there anything else you want to say micro before we go macro? Would you believe me if I told you that TCU's passing success rate against West Virginia was higher than their season average? That's wild. I I, I thought the game How plan infuriating going game was, is that? I thought the game plan going game was that we were supposed to lean on the running game and really maximize that. I mean, 
I, it would be cool if they did it. I just still don't understand like what kind of perverse weirdness is going on and saying like, we're going to give Kendra Miller all these. Ca- Kendra Miller's fine. He's fine. I hope he's he is fine. a productive backup at TCU. Give it to Barlow. Give it to Evans unless they're sucking wind or if Evans's hair is too big and his helmet keeps falling off. But like that you do not need to involve De Mercado and, uh, and Miller as much as you are. It's just dumb. It's just dumb from a development standpoint. It does nothing for you now and it does nothing for you in the future. Yes, I agree. Okay. Yeah. Gosh, you recruited a five-star run the offense. Okay. So, so, so so this, this is where, this is where I want to go macro. So I I had to write this down. I'm not going to read directly off a script, but I had to write down my my thoughts here. So, okay. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the space. Go for it. Okay. Up until this weekend, I wasn't a full convert into the quote unquote systemic rot aspect, right? Like I obviously saw the problems inherent in the system, but I didn't think it was something like Patterson couldn't eventually solve, especially in like the promise year of 2021. But Saturday through watching the game and through conversations I had with, with you and other people on Twitter and listening, um, split zone zero talked about TCU for a bit, um, kind of opened my eyes. I, I realized I'd seen this exact TCU game 30 different times since 2014. There's a lack of urgency, a complacency, and an unwillingness to be successful that has plagued this program since the Boykin years. And all honestly, those were probably a net negative for TCU because they let Patterson think Cumbie and Meacham were the answers, and they're not. 2014 gave TCU such a grace period that they neglected to address key areas like offensive line recruiting. Parker, the Big 12 was always ahead of the game on offense. So it was natural that it would take teams a bit to adjust on defense. Okay, well, now they have. And TCU doesn't have that large of a strategic advantage on the defensive side of the ball anymore. So it's imperative for them to close the gap on offense. They haven't done that. While, t- while opponents are getting better on defense, TCU has made no efforts to improve on offense at all. They're getting dominated up front and are relying on outdated base-level concepts. I like Gary Patterson, but he has gotten away with for far too many years of mediocrity because he coaches at TCU, which is a small private school dwarfed at its conference by Texas and Oklahoma. He records country songs and does well in the coaches show in the college football playoff. And he earns goodwill nationally to skate by and TCU fans, me included are blinded by the Rose bowl and the peach bowl. But that was six years ago. I wasn't 20 when TCU won the peach bowl. My sister was a sophomore in high school and now she's a senior in college. Times change. TCU has it. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm with you there. I, I think that's a valid argument. Um, I think TCU is looking at four out of five losing years in the conference. And the only year that they didn't have a losing season, Kenny Hill was excellent. Kenny Hill was like 85% adjusted completions percent. Excellent. Um, and shout out is, Mason Treen, by the I way. I don't care. Yeah, I did. Shout out to the homie. I, I, I don't care who your offensive coordinator was. If you had 2017 Kenny Hill, you're winning 10 games. And, and even then, they were clearly outclassed by the best teams in the league. Um, they Matt Campbell just completely outcoached them on defense, and they lost to Iowa State. And uh, Lincoln Riley had way too many weapons for them to keep up with on uh, on offense, and they lost to Oklahoma embarrassingly twice. So, yes, I'm there. If you even if you just you just write 2017 off as hey, every once every four years they're going to develop, that that's fine. Uh, what you can't do in college football and succeed is bottom out for consecutive years. You can't do it. Yes. You have to figure out a way to not do it. And so last year, your answer was Alex Delton. Grant, let me tell you something. That was a stupid answer. Yes. Um, and so you can go just the entirety of like, you can start to paint bad luck, but here's the thing. Uh, bad decisions make your luck worse. 
Yeah. And I think that's kind of the situation TCU is in. I don't want to underscore. TCU has had some terrible luck. Justin Rogers drop foot, nothing you can do. Terrible luck. Sean Robinson's shoulder getting broken by Ohio State. I don't think there's a lot you can do there. Um, you look at Lucas Nyang getting hurt in the offensive line going to hell. That, that, that's a rough break. Um, there have just been some, some really, really bad situations over the years that have resulted in TCU having a, a bad situation taken to worse. I will say TCU has bottomed out and they have what? Four, they have four losses this season and three of those are one score. Well, last I, year there were one and six of one score games. And so I, I think that is a um, kind of a symptom of you're playing for that win by one. And this is the worst case scenario in all of them, right? Like you're trying also, to play close games. Yeah, go ahead. Two of those are one score games. West Virginia and Oklahoma were not one score games. Yes. Two of those are one score games. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, I mean, just, just ultimately, this is like, this is an incredibly frustrating team. I, I really am. And the more I talk about it, the less I am sounding the panic alarm of Patterson has, has lost it because his defense is still so good. I will say, Grant, I, I really wish he would try and think about the future. And I wish he would let Paul Gonzalez have a shot at calling plays. Um, Paul's, Paul's a, a very fine recruiter and a guy that the kids like. I wish he would get Malcolm Kelly uh, a little bit more involved on the offensive side. Yes. Um, and, and so I think there are some, some steps that he could take uh, to become more of that CEO type. And that would extend his career and improve TCU's, um, improve TCU's standing. I'm going to make a sentimental argument. Um, someone mentioned, what's his name at Slocum? R.L. Slocum at uh, Texas A&M. A&M, yeah. Um, this is not a Slocum situation. This is not ruthless efficiency. We're going to do the call. Grant, Jeremiah Donati is a, is a really nice guy, and, and I've chatted with him a bunch, um, and we have some, some, some good mutual friends. Um, and this is not a comment on him or his ability. Grant, he's like 10 years older than us. He is not walking into Gary Patterson's office and saying, Gary, it's done. Um, that, that's, just, that's just delusional for anyone to think, oh, this is even on the table. It's not. Let's even go past whether you think it's right or wrong or, or, or it's time. Uh, all of your criticisms, Grant, are, are extremely valid about Patterson. Firing him is not on the table. And, and I don't think it should be given what TCU was and what it became under him. This is not a Slocum situation. This is, this is maybe not even a Bill Snyder situation. I think Patterson has stronger ties and more capital at TCU than Snyder did at Kansas State. And I know what I'm saying there. Like that's a, that's a big, big statement. And I think I believe it. I think that we can absolutely, you know, I can do this. I can scream Tom Blue in the face because I do that about Patterson having, having lost it, making bad decisions. I think we need peaceful transfer of power. I think we need a couple subtle shifts to try and compete for the next two to three years and make sure the program doesn't go into the dumpster uh, so that they don't do something knee jerk like hire Fuentes when his contract at Virginia, Virginia Tech expires. I, I, okay, look, I agree. This is not okay. I should probably lay a basis for this. TCU should not fire Gary Patterson, and Gary Patterson should not retire at the end of this year. I still like Gary Patterson. I still think Gary Patterson is a good head coach. There are way too many factors that would just completely screw TCU if Patterson was not in charge of the program heading into 2021. A lot of that goes into a coaches, a coaches that are available, B 
COVID, uh, you know, and, and finances and all that stuff, Patterson's buyout is pretty big, I would imagine. Uh, I don't know. I have the exact numbers on it because his contract is private. Um, and see, like 2021, there is a lot of potential in that team. Um, there is also not a designated successor for TCU. I mean, you've had a coach for 20 years. You need a designated successor. So it, it, that's one of those things where, okay, I, I always think I'm a Carolina basketball fan, right? So w- when Dean Smith retired in uh, 1997, he had a designated successor. He had uh, Bill Guthridge, who took over for two, three years. He was like, hey, I'm a transition coach. I'm going to lead us out of the, the, the Smith years into whatever the future is. They made a final four under Guthridge. All good. That Doherty came in, tanked, whatever, sucked. Will Williams came in, great. TCU does not have a designated successor. They need one before Patterson leads. It should not be this year. They should start looking if 2021 does not go as planned. I See, I, I think so, and I think that's what they'll end up doing. But also, can I tell you, there, there, there's this, – this is dangerous because there's two ways this could go. But – Think about, uh, think about Barry Alvarez at Wisconsin. Who's, who's in charge of Wisconsin football? Barry Alvarez. Barry Alvarez. I don't care who the coach is. It's Barry Alvarez. Um, and their consistency there, cycling through a couple coaches, has shown that. Uh, the flip side of that is Tennessee and Jeremy Pruitt, which is obviously a situation yeah. you don't want to be in. But also, don't hire a jerk for a coach. Whatever. I'm leaving that in. Um, so so I, think that, I think that TCU's best case scenario and what reasoned rational TCU fans should do is saying the day-to-day operation of a football team uh, has, has gotten past Gary Patterson. He is too involved in calling the defense and has not able to do quality assurance. I think he made what he thinks is a smart move, bringing in somebody experienced like, like Jerry Kill and saying, hey, I'm going to let him try and take some of the burden. I don't think it was a good idea. I think I understand the logic of it, but I think it was dumb. Can I say something? Someone should have been in Gary's ear. I know Jerry Kill is Gary's best friend. Someone should have been in his ear saying, man, this ain't it. Uh, what do you think conversations between Meech and Cumby look like with Jerry Kill in the room? Probably not very functional, I would imagine, Parker. I don't imagine they're any different than if Gary Patterson were in the room. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think that was a good idea at all. Um, and, and, again, I can criticize that right there. And then just say the best-case scenario is, T, is Gary Patterson become CEO – Grand Poobah, um, I'm, I'm, I'm running charities, I'm making songs, I'm on the sideline, I'm talking to the players at halftime, I'm, I'm, I'm running this show, but there are people who are taking over the day-to-day operations. That's going to be and, a peaceful transfer of power. If that happens before Gary's contract, that's going to put TCU in a really good situation to not bottom out in recruiting in 2021 like they're doing right now um, and not, not have to go through a series of truly bad seasons because TCU's bad seasons have not been what they could be. Um, and so, it, you know, do, I don't want to, I don't want to go two and 10 for three years while we try and cycle through the next coach and see if they can pull up the dip. Um, and so I think peaceful transfer of power, Gary Patterson transition to the CEO role is great. Is that going to happen? I don't know. It's, but it's more likely than him going to happen uh, th- than him going to be, you know, kind of this, uh, he's not going to get fired. And so this is more likely no. than him getting fired. Yeah. I, he shouldn't get fired. I, you know, it's funny. You talk about bottoming out. <clears throat> so TCU is not Notre Dame, but you know, okay. We had the whole, Oh, Notre Dame went four eight, Right. And it was very funny. I don't like Notre Dame. Um, Bay City High School's fight song is a Notre Dame fight song. The fight song is great. Other than that, I'm not a Notre Dame fan. Um, in 2016, I think Notre my Dame high school's four- fight song was also wake up the echoes. I still know all the words. Um, in 2016, Notre Dame went four and eight. Their next three seasons were 10 and three, 12 and one, and 11 and two. 
Like, yeah, you, you could afford to bottom out for one year. You cannot afford to bottom out for two, as you said earlier. And that, that, that kind of stuck with me. The, the other, um, yeah, it, it's, you know, that's the thing too, Parker. So, so TCU, I think, has kind of engendered, <clears throat> they've kind of lost the, the edge, quote unquote, and to quote LCD sound system, you know, we're, we're losing our edge here. Um, you know, there's a tweet from Frogs of War. Uh, Landry Burdon reported there's a lot of jawing in the locker room, most of the players complaining about WV, WVU disrespecting them and them wanting to fight back. TCU has not earned respect at all. No, shout and out, I, shout I out to the homie know. Colin Post for the tweet of the yes. game. I'm going to read this word for word, Colin. Yes. Uh, oh, my gosh. Colin Post, uh, TC360 sports editor, uh, re- really fun guy. Go give him a follow at Colin P underscore three. He said in the middle of the game, imagine playing corner so poorly a week ago that your coach joked, joked about playing in your place the following week. Then the following week comes, you're down 14 to three, and you think you've earned the right to fight someone. Yes. That's, that's <laughs> insane to me. I wish I'd had the nuts as a TCU 360 sports reporter to tweet that. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. TCU has not earned the respect of their conference opponents. No one playing in the Big 12 right now was around when TCU won the Beach Bowl. No yep. one I, – I mean, maybe one class was around when TCU won the Alamo was, Bowl. Was, hold on. I think we have full turnover since then. Am I being dumb about that? Let me think. That, so 2017? Texas, no, so so uh, oh, oh we'll coaches, go to so so, coaches, coaches, so TCU the Peach Bowl, uh, Tech, Baylor, Kansas, Kansas State, Texas. Yeah, yeah, Oklahoma, yeah. Full Lincoln turnover. Riley wasn't even full there. Turnover. Uh, Gundy, Gundy, West That's Virginia. It. Gundy was the only one. Eight of nine opposing coaches do not ha- only know TCU as a a middle dweller who can maybe maybe get to the Alamo. Yeah, that's where the program is right now. And look. This is TCU. I, I love TCU to death. But TCU, as, I think, as, as you said, either in the last podcast or the podcast before, is a team that is built to really, really contend once every four years. The stars align, and TCU's in there. They're not Alabama. They're not Clemson. They're not you know, Oklahoma, whatever. They are built to contend in cycles, and that cycle has passed. And now no one is afraid of playing TCU. Lincoln Riley can say all the nice things he wants, and Alex Grinch can say all the nice things he wants, and Tom Herman can make his stupid <laughs> comments and get beat every year. But TCU hasn't earned the respect that they have in, in the past. Yeah, and, and that's 100% true. And Grant, here's, my, here's the darkest point of all of this. There are times I think that things would be better if TCU was in the American right now. Yeah. I know yeah, that's they- crazy. And the money, then, the money makes it entirely moot. TCU has new stadium, new all stuff. Yes, I understand. I'm there. I'm just saying it might be more fun. might be more fun to win the, uh, win the AAC every year. Can I offer a counterpoint? It's really fun beating Texas every year. It is very fun beating Texas every year. But I don't want to be like – when I grew up, Ole Miss, I was a big Arkansas fan, and like Ole Miss was always like, well, as long as we beat State, that's a good year. I was like, man, you guys suck, and they do suck for multiple reasons. But – um, I, I don't want to be the like, well, at least we beat Baylor and Texas, you know, like that's fine. That's okay. good. I expect him to beat but, that. But like, I, 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 I want to be competing to split the Oklahomas on a consistent yeah. year. I want to beat Baylor and Texas and split the Oklahomas. And that's looking like one or two losses. I think that's TCU's actual ceiling. I think they could get there where two out of four years, they are 
9, 10, 11 wins. And right now, they are not even going to be close to that. I mean, but, but that's what TCU is. The, the Twitter account is bragging about beating Baylor, Texas, and Texas Tech, and now we're kings of Texas. Congratulations. Those teams suck. How bad would Texas A&M kick TCU's ass this year? I, I don't ask me that. I don't want to think about that part. The answer that, is that, that's, real bad. I, I, don't, I don't want to think about that. Don't, don't bring that thought into my head. Okay, look, look. We've, we've... <laughs> I don't even know what this podcast is. This is like external no, processing no. on the fly. But like, obviously it's frustrating. Here's what's most frustrating about it, Grant. It's not new. We didn't learn no. anything about TCU yesterday. Nothing that I thought about TCU changed from the game yesterday. Nothing. No, not at all. Which is depressing because it came after two straight wins. Yeah, against you, – You think yeah, – What did I yell about? Teams, right. What did I yell about doing – It's like, hey, you can't score against the 113th worst defense in the nation. What do you think is going to happen? I, look, you're, I mean, yes, you're right. You're correct. Yes. And you know what's going to happen? Yes. They're going to pass all over Kansas. They're going to murder Kansas. Because Kansas are, is – Are they? Are, are they? Are they? Yes. Are, no, Kansas is bad. Are they going to pass? Grant, Grant. Kansas is like no, no. no I, I know Kansas is bad. I'm saying, is TCU oh, going to pass? Yes, I think I think they will. I think they'll pass. I think they'll I think they'll run a lot of plays, and I think everyone will be like, oh, why can't we just do that? And they'll go play Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma State will just stomp it. And then Dustin Crum's going to put on a uh, an NFL draft audition in the first responder bowl, <laughs> Dallas. We're going to lose sixty to nothing to Sean Lewis's Viking ass. Get me off this podcast. I don't know if anybody wants to hear this anymore. I'm in the dark okay, place. Okay, look, that's, that's, that's enough. Look, look, <laughs> Sunday podcasts are, are normally micro-macro. Or, 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 excuse me, are normally 30 minutes, but, but we, uh, we, we went micro-macro today. Um, so it went a little bit longer. Look, I'm an optimist. Parker might be an nihilist. I don't know where he is right now. But, but uh, TC football will endure. They may not be good, but they will still play games, and we'll still be here to cover them. Uh, All I have to say is my concluding thought is some they will and some they won't and some might as well. Some they do and some they don't and some you just can't tell. What song is that? Super Tramp. (laughs) (laughs) This has been the Purple Theory Podcast, the Sunday recap (laughs) edition. Uh, I'm Parker. Uh, You can find me at Stats of War. My co-host is Grant McGalliard, spelled like it sounds with all those vowels. Make sure you're subscribed to the new, uh, excuse me, make sure you're subscribed to the newsletter. It's going to be really, really fun this week. Um, uh, I think we're going to have at the coach Melissa involved in some uh, podcasting later this week. I have a really, really deep dive on recruiting. I'm going to throw some preliminary thoughts out there, plus some some kind of TCU state value analysis that I think will be really interesting. I know Grant's going to um, have some really good breakdowns as well. So make sure you're subscribed to that. We've only got a couple weeks left. Uh, the content is only getting better, um, and we'll definitely start to shift into sort of big picture stuff as we get to the end of the season. So uh, purpletheory.substack.com. If you like the podcast, rate, review, subscribe, share, uh, clap your hands, all that good stuff. Other than that, we'll be back here on Wednesday night. Go Frogs. <laughs>